Welcome to another exciting episode of Level Up and Live, the podcast where we dissect success, growth, and the journey to becoming the best version of yourself. I'm your host, Sean Myers, and today we're flipping the script. Brace yourselves because the tables are turning and we're diving into the world of someone who usually sits on the other side of the mic. Our incredible co-host, Ewan Heinemeyer. Ewan is the man with the questions, the one who pulls the gems of wisdom from our fantastic guest. But today, it's his turn to be in the spotlight. Get ready for a roller coaster ride as he reveals stories and insights that even I didn't see coming. So fasten your seatbelts. This is the Level Up and Live podcast, where we stop existing and start living today. Let's dive in. You and Hannah Meyer, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back on the show permanently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is exciting. I'm, 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 I'll say up front, like we talked about before, this is not something I, I like to be asking the questions. Let's, p- people knowing about me is, I don't need people to know about me in my mind, um, but from our, from our process going forward, you know, it's important for people to know, so. The, the, the tables have turned today. Now, you and Heinemeyer, the man, the myth, the legend, that all of you and all of our audience and listeners and friends and family and community, Ewan does such a good job at asking the questions if you know Ewan and you're around Ewan in, in our community and either social media, he is all about you. He is all about the listener. He is all about the audience, and that is selfishness. And today we're going to, you're going to learn so much about this uh, young man. And I'm super excited to be able to ask him these hard, pressing, challenging questions to find out about this guy. My memory's terrible, so these will be hard. <laughs> He's got short-term memory is what we're trying to say. They're only hard because I don't remember well, but <laughs> just kidding. So without further ado, you and Heinemeyer, welcome to the podcast, Level Up and Live, baby. Super excited to be on this journey with you and this venture with you. I I have no doubt that uh, good things are, are lying ahead, and God is uh, not going to give us something that we cannot handle together. So. Absolutely. So with, without further ado, man, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, where are you from? Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm 42 now, but I started 42 years ago. I, I originally uh, grew up in Scotland. My whole family is back in Scotland. I uh, grew up in a small town called Livingston Village and about 10 years old, moved to uh, Edinburgh, which is the capital of Scotland. And my dad was a, was a preacher. He was a smoker, drinker, fighter up until the age of 30, my sister was born and he found God and my dad went all in with that and turned his life completely around and went to Bible school and became a preacher. And, um, I, you know, my mom was, um, mom was a very intelligent woman. She ended up being, she's a chemist. She ran a, a, um, a lab, you know, she's oh, wow. very intelligent you know, but for the longest time. She was a stay at home mom, um, which is interesting because in, in Scotland, you know, my dad being a preacher, the UK, Great Britain is mainly, it's really atheistic now, which is funny because that's where a lot of um, religion had, was pushed from over centuries, but now it's mainly atheistic. People don't really go to church and, and same pretty much Europe across the board. It's not, it's not like America, like it is here. Um, but my dad, yeah, he became a preacher there. So that was kind of the environment for me. And 
I attest the, a lot of my personality to, you know, grow up in that environment it wasn't always positive, right? I was rebellious. Uh, you know, I didn't always want to accept what my parents said, but uh, uh, I had great parents and I'm very grateful for them. And what's interesting is that my dad being a preacher working in the church, he would, we would have Americans come over uh, to help build the church. So from a young age, I had this American influence and I just loved the American spirit. I loved these. They always looked like they were having fun. They were loud and wild. And I was like, that's my kind of party right there. And so as they kept coming over, they were typically 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And I was young, five, six uh, years old, um, probably seven. And so they would keep coming over about the same age, but I kept getting older, you know? So at some point they were 18, 19, 20, and I was 16, 17, 18. So I'm getting to know these people and just loving what they're saying. And uh, around 19 years old, I had some friends at the school in Arkansas. It was called Harding University. And I had the chance to go. This is hilarious because I'm a C student, I had dyslexia, ADHD, never tried hard in school, never cared. And I'm like, mom and dad, I'm going to university in America. <laughs> everyone, wow. everyone laughed. I think yeah. I laughed. And in my mind, I just manifested. If I to look back, I don't know how it happened, to be honest. Like there was, I had zero business because in, in university in America is um, it's expensive and the UK is free. Taxes pay for it. So it's not free. Taxes pay for it. But so... We weren't, weren't wealthy by any means. We didn't have the, the money to really do that. So I got a job, started saving. I was determined. Uh, and mom and dad pulled some strings that they had, and they, they gave me some money that they probably didn't have to give, which I'll be forever forever grateful uh, for that. Uh, but it got me there my first year of, of school. I just found myself there, and it was the time of my life. So that takes me up to there. I don't know if you um, have anything to say about that so far. <laughs> I don't want to keep talking. Yeah, man. No, it's a beautiful journey. I think it's well spelled out, uh, spelled out or spelled out. So you got to the states. You made that that leap of faith. What were you? What were you? What was your feelings like? What was going through your mind? Because you didn't know anybody over here. You said you had a couple friends. I had some friends. So I knew of the school, but it's funny because Arkansas is is the natural state, right? And so I'd seen a bunch of American movies, you know, Hollywood, New York, and I'm like, I'm going to America. I tell my friends I'm going to America, and I basically land in, in Little Rock. And I'm like, man, I was lied to. This does not look like glamorous at all. It's like very outdoorsy. Um, now, knowing what I know now, Arkansas is beautiful. I love that state. It's really a great place. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't go to anywhere else other than that. But um, yeah, my feelings and emotions with that, I, I was kind of one track mind. I was just, that's what I want to do. I didn't think about the consequences. I didn't know what was going to happen next. I just knew I had this vision of me being there and just one day led to the next. It's all a bit of a blur, to be honest. I still, at 42 today, I have two kids and a wife that I love dearly. My my son's eight, my daughter's 10. I still sometimes look back and I'm like, what am I doing here in America? Like, it's just bizarre. You know, my whole family's back in Scotland. I have a big family, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and um, but yeah, when I think back, it just kind of manifested. I don't know how else to say it. I just had a vision and made it happen and it occurred. And speaking of, uh, manifest, manif uh, manifesting, who did you meet there? My lovely, lovely wife. She hated me when she first met me. I don't know. Hate might be a strong word, but you could ask her. She said, man, when I met him, I did, I did not like him. Like, I think I was so distracted with all that was going on, the fun that we were having, I didn't pay her the attention that she probably, well, she didn't 
I definitely didn't pay her the attention that she deserved. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't hit it off right away, but our circle of friends were the same friends. So we kept hanging out and we ended up, I, I liked a different girl and she liked a different guy. And I think we had been discussing our feelings for these other people and we kept hanging out, kept discussing it and the woes and the difficulties. And, and then I think it was a spring break uh, or Thanksgiving break and we went skiing and Oh man, where did we go? Uh, Jackson Hole. We went skiing there and and we both just looked at each other. I think we were in a Walmart getting some like a, a pit stop and we've discussed this and we just looked at each other and was like, I think I really like her. And so we started hanging out, started dating and uh, the rest was history. And we dated on and off for probably four years. And, um, and then my last year of school, I just realized like she's a very special person, very intelligent, makes me laugh. And that means everything to me. She makes me laugh. So she's just a, a wonderful, wonderful human being. Just... If anybody knows Kelly Heinemar, she's a um, special, yeah. special person. She definitely is. Yeah. How how long y'all been married? 18 years. Man, I almost got that wrong there. Yeah, 18, going on 19 years, which is just, I can't say that out loud. It's crazy. It's been all rainbows and sunshines, right? Oh, every minute, every day since day one, it was easy going. We'll, we'll touch on that here in a <laughs> yeah. second. Yeah. So moving forward, so you meet Kel, y'all end up. How long did you say you dated? Four years? Four, on and off, yeah. Yeah, and she then, dated a few different people. I did, dated a few different people, and we just kept coming back to each other. We just, yeah. Then you proposed? Yep, yep. Awesome. At the gas, we met at a gas station that our freshman year, and I ended up taking her back there and surprised her. With, and, you know, that's our, it's not glamorous by any means, but to us it meant a lot because it was- Wait a minute, I don't, I've known you for 13 plus years. Yeah. I never knew that you proposed to Gail behind a gas station. Is that what I'm hearing It was you in the gas station we met at inside because there was a big party there. It was a big, it was this guy's, they put on a Mountain Dew party and it was like started off with four of us, five of us, or actually it was a party. It was already four guys were doing and they invited me along. And I remember I invited some friends then they invited some friends every Thursday night and it got wild. It got to the point where there was 80, 90 people showing up and they would, the, your initiation was to chug 64 ounces of Mountain Dew, caffeine through the roof. And so you've just got these college kids going bananas on caffeine, like throwing stuff. People were dressing their trucks and cars up a green. And it was like this big thing. And the owners of the gas station had to shut it down because we were just wrecking the place every Thursday. So, uh, so that's where we met was Mountain Dew night. And so, yeah, I took her back there and, and it was a surprise. Like she had no clue. So it was um, Fantastic. romantic in my mind. Love it. I love it. I love it. So you asked her to marry you and moving forward, what was your first uh, transition? And in, in so you're married, here you are. What was your first job like transitioning into your career here in the States? Yeah, it's a funny story because I'm from Scotland, so I don't have a, I'm not a citizen and I still don't actually, it's just my permanent resident. I'm working on my citizenship. I realized I could now have both. I didn't want to give up my Scottish citizenship, but now um, the laws are, I can, I can do both. So when I, um, so I came out, I couldn't work, right? So I got this marketing degree, cost me tens of thousands of dollars to get, and it meant nothing, you know, I, I couldn't go, I couldn't work. So I was literally playing online poker when it was still legal, legal to play, to play online. And I was winning enough to pay some bills. You know, I don't play poker anymore, but at the time it was, it was the thing to do and uh, studied it and, and, and so my green card eventually came through, man, we had to go through the uh, FBI process. Like they interviewed us, make sure I was legally allowed to be here. So yeah, that's a whole you oh, know, wow. different story, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, so I get my green card and, and I'm like, okay, I can work. I'm going to use my degree. And the only offer I got was from um, Tomball Ford. Like if you're local, Tomball Ford is a Ford dealership selling cars and trucks. And I just jumped at it, just took, took it as a sales position and I think I was the only person there with a college degree. I think there was one other guy. Um, 
but yeah, so that was my first job. And did you have any sales experience when you had, I had the position? worked at the equivalent in Scotland, the equivalent of a Best Buy. And I, I don't know what it was. I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I didn't even know it was sales. I was just needing a job to get some money together. But I was always good at selling the warranties on TVs. And it was always my mission to sell a warranty on a iron. They were like $10 irons. And it was like $2 to buy a warranty on there. And I just thought it'd be so cool if someone said yes like to that. Like a clothes iron? Yeah, a clothing iron where you flatten out wrinkles. Yeah, and I'm like, it was just ridiculous that anyone, so I never pushed it hard, but I, my mission was, I could always sell a warranty on the TV if it breaks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was really good at it. You know, I rose up to the, the top ranks on that because I, I knew it was actually a good product. That's right? like, like saying, selling ice to an ice, uh, Eskimo, right? It, like, it, it was, yeah, it wasn't easy. They sent me down to Newcastle, which is in England, to do a sales training and I did it. And the, I came back and they said, you, you got the highest numbers that anyone ever did. And I was like, what? I didn't even know what it was. They just like, you had to role play and do all these different things and sell, sell people. And they said like, out of the, everyone that's ever gone, I think I got like a 98 out of a hundred and no one had ever got that score. And I was like, oh, no clue. I had zero interest in sales. So I was just being a human being, right? Like just communicating with people, finding out what's important to them and relating that to, to the product they're buying. So, um, yeah, so we did that. Um, and yeah, so I, I enjoyed that. It was a sales position. So when I got into the car deal, I was like, oh, I've sold before, you know? So that was a whole different level of selling, right? There's one thing selling a warranty to on a TV or whatnot, but selling a $50,000 vehicle to some grumpy old man, I was not prepared for that. So first six weeks, I didn't sell anything. Uh, there was a, a training thing. There's a bunch of guys that went through, only three of us were selected. And those two guys had sold cars. They were doing well. And, and I don't know what was wrong with me. I was like, man, maybe this just isn't for me. And I remember it was, it was a weeknight and I had tried many times trying to, I was almost able to, to get someone to buy a car. And I was like, this is hard. And I remember someone finally said, yes, walked them all the way through. They were so happy, got the car they wanted. And in the time, this was 2008. Uh, oh, wait, no, it was 2007. 2007, 2008, it, you, they would cut your tie like to say, well done. This is when we wore ties at a car dealership. It, it, it was like, basically you have entered the realm of sales world. And from there, I went to the top, like I sold my, my first one and the pattern emerged and I just loved it, loved selling. I was making more than all the people who had the degrees in college, you what know, you, selling cars. What do you think separated the difference between you being able to do what you did at Tomball Ford and the rest of the pack? I, th I think, I've mean, I've analyzed this a lot because I've been, I mean, I'm still in sales and today, you know, sales might be a dirty word to some people, but ultimately sales is helping people resolve uh, an issue they have or to, to provide something that they want and finding those keys out and then providing what it is that you have or relating it to that, to where they're comfortable getting it. It's all about them, right? Like, like you said, that's not some cheesy line for me. That I, that's how I really live my life, right? It's, it's, uh, uh, it's man again. I'm trying to think of how to say this without sounding cheesy or 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 cliche. But ultimately, it's effective, right? In my mind, like this person wants something, and I have something to sell. And does is it a match? You know. So finding out if it's not a match for them, I wouldn't sell it. Honestly, that's not some tagline. Like money is not important to me at this point. That's one thing life. I respect about you is just over the years that I've gotten to know you, you've never been about the transaction. You've always been about the relationship piece. And, and we've, we've, we've partnered up with, with things in the past and I've seen you and just in your own business, in your own world, 
it's never about the the chase. It's never about the you know the destination. It's always about like the here and the now, uh, diving deep in that relationship with that customer, with that, and that's such a beautiful thing. And that's why this you listening to this it's very special and i'm honored to be completely transparent to have you a part of level up and live because it's going to only impact and serve more people and go more in depth because you do you do care about not necessarily the the outcome but that's just the byproduct but how do we serve our listener how do we serve our audience and that's such a beautiful thing and i couldn't agree with you more and that's why you are where you are today and what you've done that's well said, man. That was, I, I wouldn't be able to sum it up like that, man. Yeah, we just fist bumped, by the way. Yeah. It just happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's what, that's why this thing is going. You know, I've done other businesses, started them, and... and so let's talk about that. Yeah. So transitioning out of Tomball Ford. Tomball Ford. How did we meet? Man, went to... So the economy got rough, and that mm. may be... This might be more appropriate than ever, because... You know, I like to predict things. I look at charts. I, I like to trade and different different things. And that's kind of a passion side hobby thing for me. But I, I analyze a lot of data and just what's going on in the economy. And mm. it's there's some tough times coming. I mean, there's just no way around that. Um, I don't know how bad it's going to be. Maybe it's short-lived. Maybe it's longer. Who knows? No one can predict that portion. But uh, recessions always come, right? right? Or in depressions, you know, that's another story. But in 2008, the economy tanked, everything exploded, and man, you couldn't sell. I've been at Tomball 4 for about a year and a half and was just doing really well. Financially, it was it was really well. I was really enjoying it. And man, you couldn't give a, a car away. Like mm. people who had lots of money, high credit, you could, the bank still wouldn't finance them. It was just a whole different story. No one was prepared for it. And the money just stopped. I had to have a living, you know, and, and it was uh, in commission based. It was, I was, uncertain so i kind of went to panic station so i was like man i gotta get out of this man i gotta find something secure i got my wife to look after mm. didn't have kids at the time and enterprise rent a car now talk about swallowing your pride like you mm. know i was like man i went to school got my degree was making good money selling these cars i didn't care if it was reputable or not like i knew it was it was a service selling cars some people think it's kind of low or whatever but man i lived that life and i i've always appreciated it and and the people in the in the business but yeah so enterprise i'm like renting cars man you know for this low salary i was like i think it was like thirty eight thousand bucks or something a year i was like oh like but i needed something so i took it and i remember i wore a three-piece suit to my first day out hired on and uh they gave me a leaf blower <laughs> and with a backpack and what? so because uh hurricane harvey had hit mm. i want to say it was or ike Hurricane Ike, 2009, 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so yeah, like there was trees down everywhere, leaves everywhere, cars crushed, and and we have this. This is in um, in Conroe, Texas, on Fraser Street, and yeah. So they, so uh, Lisa Venchkoven, little shout out. She was our boss there at the time, uh, and she she always laughed. She always like, I remember you and Kay in this three piece suit and a leaf blower, (laughs) and I remember thinking to myself, I have failed at life. Like, yes. how am I here? You know, mm. like, how did this happen? And so it was a great learning lesson, great ego humbling lesson. And enterprise, end of the day, uh, is is as difficult as it was for four years I was there. Worked the management program, where, uh, became, you know, top sales guy. Yep, that's uh, right. was selling the the, the um, product for, for protecting the cars, the waiver. Um, and I learned how to run a business out of that, man. And we, we did everything in there. So I'm always grateful to them for that. But the most grateful thing is about a year and a half in, this young whippersnapper comes in, um, and his name is Sean Myers. And we just clicked from day one. Hey, that, I mean, we just, 
I don't know what it was. Like you made me laugh and you still to this day, you'll make me like belly laugh. And what's so funny is you never know why I'm laughing, but like you just say some of the funniest things. If you don't know Sean, man, and if you haven't got that, man, he's just one of, that's why he's so special in my life. Like makes me laugh. I, I always say, he always says I make him laugh. And, and, and as far as my communication style, I always considered myself speaking from the heart, right? When I talk to people one-on-one, even the podcast, like I, that's where that's where I feel like I'm in the zone, and that's where I feel like I come alive is speaking from the heart. So when he said, like I made him laugh, and I've made I still continue to make him laugh. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if you're laughing with me or at me or definitely with you, <laughs> or just the marvel of the like you get yourself in a situation and the way it's the way you say things. I just yeah. you get me, man. You know, yeah. you just get me. In the I know home. what it. I know what you were laughing at. What's that? You remember what I wore on my first day? Oh, was that was it the first day? I was trying to think there. So he showed up. I think he'd been at shenanigans the <laughs> night before and he showed up oh, he was locked out of his truck and he had a so he had to wear a white shirt tie mainly a suit jacket like a suit uh, enterprise at the time you had to be clean shaven too couldn't wear any, have any facial hair i think they changed that rule but he showed up he had a western pearl snap it was white that's why he had it yes. and he had some some pants black pants that were too short yep. and he had two opposite socks white socks white socks white That's socks, right. white socks yep. and some random shoes and he was hung over and i just remember you know growing up in scotland fashion was important to me i always like to dress well even people who don't dress well in scotland are what dress well like comparatively to to a lot of other cultures and so i'm kind of meticulous i don't know why that is i just enjoy it. it's kind of like an art form right expression or whatever and i remember seeing sean i was like what is he wearing, man? I, I had to get a picture. I was like, I, I remember looking around like, is anyone else seeing this? And it was so funny though. You made me laugh so hard. And, and you just had this happy-go-lucky attitude, just loving life, like just enjoying every minute. And that was infectious, man. I remember mm. I took things very seriously at, at the job and then you just made it really fun. Like I remember it got fun immediately. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I didn't, I didn't know any better. You know, I, at that point in my life, I was fresh out of college. I didn't, I didn't really, you know, people had moved on, kids, new job, new career. And here I was just kind of in the unknown. And yeah. so, and and lo and behold, again, God works in mysterious ways. I'm a big believer in in in, in the higher power there. I think he put you in, in my life to uh, to really help guide me, mentor me, and almost like that uh, father figure, you know, so which has been a, a super blessing uh, over the years and super grateful. So, Okay, you meet this guy, enough of the sappy stuff, right? <laughs> it is tearing up. So you meet this guy, come in, and then you are an enterprise, you put your head down, and Ewan's been super humble about it, but Ewan basically crushed, executed, top, he was a top sales guy there, damage waiver on the cars, and as far as a mentor, a leader, I mean, he just was just outpacing everybody, just outshining every, everyone. So... Uh, fast forwarding a couple years go, and then you kind of hit this place at Enterprise where you're like, okay, uh, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not at a place where soul sucking. Yeah, I mean, I'll say okay. it. like I had honestly up until about three years ago. So it's been oh man, uh, since 2012. So it was 11 years ago. I I got out and yep, man, maybe up until so I had would have nightmares that I was back there and I'd wake up thinking I was behind that till. Like nothing against people who are renting cars right now. This is just me, my, my personal thoughts and story. Just kind of, yeah. it was a bit traumatic. It was a lot of hours, you know, it was a great place, man. And I can't. How many hours were you working per week? Probably 50 to 55. And, you know, coming from Scotland, 38 hours is a full-time week, you know? So I'm like, man, this is, and I was in the car business too. So it was a bit more fast paced. I was still working 
it's about the same hours there, but this was in front of a customer all day long and just a lot of complaints. And it just wasn't what I was made for, right? This was kind of this retail. I just wasn't enjoying it. Some people love it and I'm, I love that they love it, but it wasn't for me. And I wanted out. Um, and man, lo and behold, Kendra, your wife was, uh, got a job at Henry Shine. That's right. Selling dental equipment and dental supplies. And I remember looking at it, I was like, that looks very attractive. I remember, so talk about manifestation, right? Like I said, I'm coming to America at a young age and boom, I'm in America. I don't know how that happened. I remember when I first started working at Tomball Ford, I drove, my in-laws bought me this um, old, it was super cool, old Volvo oh, something 40. I can't remember. It was like a 90s car, super boxy. I don't know if you remember that Volvo. Yeah, super I boxy. do. It, it was white Volvo. It was it, it was the black one. I don't know oh, if you ever you never no, saw this no. one. It, and it was old, and um, I sold it at Tombow Four, so I guess it was before. But I remember seeing a Mustang. I'd never come from Scotland. There's no muscle cars. This is American, like a muscle car is American thing. You don't see those in Scotland. Like cars are smaller and quiet. You know, we have our fast cars, but nothing like a Mustang. And I remember sitting in one for the first time and just revving the engine. And I was like, oh, I fell in love. I remember just sitting there and I was like, I could never afford one of these, you know? And I remember I'd be driving home and I'd see a Mustang drive by. And I just thought I put the window down so I could hear it rumbling. And I was just dreaming about it. And I'm, I remember about six months later, I realized I was driving home in a Mustang. Like wow. I just made it happen, yeah. you know? And, and yeah, because the payment at the time was ludicrous, but I was like, man, I'm going to make this happen. And I never bought a new car before. It was my first new car. And um, I actually sold that Volvo to one of the, the guys there and he gave it to his son. So that car continued to move on. And I, it was a super cool car, but that Mustang, um, yeah, that, that was another one of those. Man, when you think about stuff, you you can make it happen. That's right. That's when I first realized that I was, it was kind of a pattern. I'm a pattern recognition mm. kind of person, right? Yes. Spatial awareness and, and and things that if I can pick up the pattern, I can really do something with it. Like same, same when I'm selling something, right? I understand there's a pattern of how people's minds work and how can we get them what they want in the quickest amount of time for the price that they want to pay for it, you know? And, and that's always going to my, my mindset. And, and so then it was, I remember in college, this is another thing to confirm on that. I was like, I was a marketing degree, having time in my life, no thoughts. I had zero thoughts about what I wanted to do for a living. And I remember I was like, well, if I was to sum it up, I can't remember if I said it out loud, but in my mind, I was like, I'd like to have a six-figure job, which six-figure jobs in college in 2006 was like, oh, that's big money, yeah, yeah. man. And I want to uh, work 20 hours a week and I want to be closing <laughs> deals on a golf course. Yeah, and I remember thinking that over and over. I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm. What job? I don't know. I don't know what job pays me six figures, but I just I manifested that. And I remember... Oh, it was probably oh, five, six years ago. And I remember looking, I was like, man, I checked all those boxes. Mm. And another one of those things, I had a thought and it happened. And I'm not the only person that does this PS. If you were listening, anyone can do that, right? There, there's a, there is a pattern to it. So anyone can learn that uh, and, and it, it will happen. It's not magic. It's not some like, oh, the universe is doing this for me. I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe in God. And, but as far as like making things happen in your life, that is within your own imagination yeah. and then executing. Have you always, so the manifestation, the vision, when, when you were in this career, when you're in this, in this time frame, did you always know that you were made for more? Did you always have that belief or that self uh, worthiness? Mm -hmm. Or did you? No, I really didn't. You know, growing up in, in Scotland, I was in school. Uh, I think I was, so we call it primaries. Primary one is, uh, is your five, and then you're up to primary seven. So you leave primary school at 12, and then you go to high school. So you're about 12, 13 when you go to high school, and it's first through sixth year. 
um, and you graduate at 18, kind of like you're. And I think I was five or six within my first year. They realized my um, ability to uh, write or learn, you know, reading stuff that uh, I was off, you know. So they had me tested and came back with dyslexia. So so that was something I had to go to classes for. Like they'd pull me out of class. And then I'd have to go back and and reassimilate into the classroom after I was done. And I remember, like, I think I was asking my mom and dad about this a few weeks back, and they said they think I did that for four years, maybe, which is longer than I remember. But I remember my self-esteem. I was like, oh, I'm different. I'm not smart. Um, I think for the longest time, I was like, man, I'm I'm a dumb person. Like, I'm not I'm not intelligent. I'm not good at school, which means I'm I'm not smart. So, man, any anybody listening to this, you know, just because you're not good at school, I've learned this. Like it, that has zero impact on on your intelligence and what you're capable of doing so you know anyone that you know that suffers with that like man share this podcast with them you know and that's what that's what um i always call it street smart and yes. academic smart yes. right yeah in school you know it's memorization right if you if you know the answer you'd have to memorize that right so what has that got to do with um problem solving like at what point are you problem solving math is basically an equation you have to learn you know memorize what the equation is nothing against that that's great you got to have that right um but as far as practical attributes you don't get grades out in the real world you know you don't you, you get your monetary value like over what you produce in income is directly correlated with the, the size of the problem that you solve right. right so you don't get paid for getting an a mm. or a b right and man most of the, the sales guys top guys i mean these guys some are making five six hundred thousand a year and they're all c students you know they're, they're they weren't a players and not to say that a player an a student couldn't do that at all but um you know for me i had to learn at a young age okay i don't fit in well here and my brain works differently you know i just read this on on linkedin the other day it's kind of cool that linkedin the attribute dyslexia as a um, strength. No, they're actually looking for people with dyslexia because the way the brain works within that is, like I say, pattern recognition. They see the world in a different light. Mm. And I'll give that to anyone with a, uh, any kind of disability. They have to navigate the world mm. differently and the skills that they have to learn to to navigate uh, end up being a superpower in the real world. It's very difficult when you're young, but it also builds tenacity, willpower. Um, but sometimes, you know, it does ding the self-esteem. So I, I didn't I didn't really think I had any kind of intelligence until probably my mid thirties, right? Like um, I'm, um, I'm in medical equipment sales now. And I even, man, probably my first three or four years of that, even with the success I had, I was like, I still had that uh, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, all those things, you know? And since then, you know, I've really gone to town to work on that stuff. And it's really completely vanished, to be honest. Like I feel very confident and content, right? Like that's really what I think I've been after my whole life is peace. So and, and you, so you're being super humble right now. So Ewan has <laughs> has had some huge milestones in his life, and and we don't really necessarily um, talk about like we we're we're kind of at a place where like we are very advocate of hey, it's not all about the money. It's about these other things. That yes, money's important. It's a tool. It's a byproduct. But once you learn like what he's talking about as far as the value, the impact, the serving, the relationships and solving a bigger problem and what you're doing right now in this very moment, then guess what comes? The byproduct, right? Which is the monetary value, the scorecard, the tool and the resources, which is super important. Why didn't someone tell me that when I was 25? Exactly. <laughs> I could have skipped 100%. a lot of pain, Yeah, you know, like that it's not the the dollar amount that you're producing. It's all the 
the connections, the lessons, the peace and contentment, which ends up making you more money, funnily enough, when you actually get to that. But. So somebody's thinking, I, I can already see the comments coming in. I can already <laughs> see the messages coming in from our listeners and audience, you and they're, hey, that's, that's all good, you know, six digits. However, I'm, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, right? I'm, I'm struggling to make ends meet right now. Uh, what would be one piece of advice or direction or, or guide that you would give them to focus on right now in building up that so they can have that byproduct of money? What would be one, one piece yeah. of advice you'd give them? I don't think there's anything I can say that people haven't already heard, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's not about if you know it or not. It's about actually doing something with it. And that's probably the biggest key. If I think about like, I say, I say manifestation. I don't really like that word, but like I, I imagined I was coming to America and it happened. I imagined the Mustang and I got it. I imagined having this job where I made lots of money and that happened. It always required action. I needed to do something. And those things were such big things to pull me forward. I was willing to, like you say, embrace the suck, right? Like these things are uh, not easy, but I want that thing so bad. At least my brain is convinced that that's what it wants, that it just does the next thing that thinks that will get me there. A lot of those things don't work. But then what does that mean though? You find out what doesn't work until you find what does. So I think, man, and you've, you've helped me with this a lot, which is what are your values? You know, write your values down. Um, what is your why? And we've been talking about that a lot recently. And if I, and I don't like those questions, you know, I my know. person, you love know them. You to me, I'm like, I, I've never connected with that, but I've never connected with it more until the last couple of months. And, and especially with running, like that is just, I've started running a lot more and just, I've seen some different visions occurring in my mind about that. And I've, I'm, the pattern recognition again, I'm realizing, man, I'm doing these things because I want X. You know, I used to smoke, BS, I'll just say, you know, mm -hmm. I used to smoke because it was cool or whatever. And I, I'm, I've quit a number of things in my life. Like I'm, I'm pretty good at quitting like habits and stuff. And that was one that was really tough. And I was, went to, I wanted to do Muay Thai kickboxing. So I was doing that for, I went for about three months and I was getting really good. Um, but I realized uh, I couldn't keep my arms up. And the big part of winning a, a fight or being a good fighter is being able to block yourself, blocking your head, keeping your arms up. And I was not fit enough. Like I couldn't keep my hands up. So I was getting beat by these guys that were not as good as I was, at least not as good as I thought I was. And so I just quit smoking immediately, just stopped. I was like, I have now connected what I want, which is to excel at this sport. And I never went back. I just, I just stopped. So if I think about like, if you break that down, mm. uh, there was something that was more valuable, more tangible than what I'm currently doing. That's beautiful. Pro prohibiting me from getting there. So paycheck to paycheck, to go back to your question, right? Like if you're still in your paycheck to paycheck, you definitely have not found something that is pulling you uh, to do the things to get out of that, right? So you've really, this is why it's so important. I, I've hated it in the past, but you, you, you have to take the time. Like what will get me going? Man, so we're in a mastermind group and we've been in that group for almost a whole year. And we kept hammering down on, and I was asking you guys, like almost like yelling, forcing, like, why can I not figure out what it is? I love soccer. Don't want to coach soccer. Like this is all on the side. I love, I love my job, my career, you know, but just like as, some, as far as doing something like a why, like a passion thing, um, it wasn't coaching fitness. I've coached, you know, CrossFit classes in the past. And, um, and I guess it all comes down, it ended up coming down to what we landed on. My why was 
man, I always loved helping people. You know, I, when I remember I coached a five uh, under five soccer team and I loved it. I, I thought when I started coaching this CrossFit class in Montgomery, Texas, I thought I was doing it for free. This The, the, the owner was like, hey man, would you, I've seen you, you know what you're doing and I was getting certified and stuff. And he said, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, man, absolutely, let's do it. And I remember he gave me my first paycheck and he's like, I'm getting paid for this? I thought I just loved doing it. And then when I was enterprise, you know, like I was doing really well with the sales they would keep sending people over to get trained up. Like I, I would, they'd like you and we want you to train these people at old training classes for selling this damage waiver. And I just loved it. Like I loved helping training people, you know? So I think that there's so many examples of that where I just enjoy teaching, coaching, helping people uh, maybe manifest, imagine what it is that they want and then helping them get there, right? Step-by-step. Step. And a beautiful thing about it is, I don't know if this was a frequency thing right now, mm. but because of what you just said right then and there, which was beautifully said, I might ask, what better way to do that than on the podcast? Yes. Level up and live. And mic drop right there, you know? I mean- In the show, baby. No, that's a high five that's right a high there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean- so we kind of, this is something I just love. Like when you asked me to do this, I think it was an answer prayer uh, from God. And because you didn't have to, man, you built this thing, like this, this platform. And, and I was just sitting back and, and you'd, you know, you know, in the mastermind, you'd ask the guys to help. And I just was addicted to like, here, yeah, man, what about this? And try that. Yes. And you'd just come back and be like, Hey, tried that. It worked. Yeah. This tried, this didn't work. And I'm like, this is so cool. And you never, I mean, I would have just have continued to love to have just helped like yeah. never been on this, but just helping you was so exciting. And, and it wasn't me doing it. Sean was doing all the hard work, but I was just coming up with ideas. And I think that's where it stemmed like, okay, how how big can we go as far as helping people with this, you know? So together, yeah. stronger, you know? Yeah, one of the things, if you're listening to this podcast, it's it, it's it's not always rainbows and sunshines. There's stuff behind the scenes that I struggle with, that I have obstacles and setbacks. But what keeps me going every single day is exactly what we're talking about, having the macro, the vision, the why behind. It's not gonna be perfect, but I'm gonna continue to show up because I want role model, I want to be a role model and because I know that's what you're facing in your own life, in every area of life, and you just have to basically stare it down. What is it? What's the obstacle? What's the setback? What's the challenge? Let's stare it down together. And like you and said, in this mastermind group for the last 12 months, if I had a audio recorder or a video with all the struggles, with all the obstacles and all the setbacks and all the questions that I've had to ask these different, these, these brilliant uh, men in this group, then you know it's it's allowed me to get to where we are today and 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 Ewan has just leaned in he's bought in and he sees the vision he sees the purpose and I'm super excited to to have you with us today so and what's so spectacular about what what Sean does is what most people do not do this and this is one of the things that we've been discussing like I see him doing these things and it's not normal right like he thinks it's normal but he is such he's so good at just doing things and i've done a lot of things in my life and i've pushed through and and but i have to analyze like i'll analyze uh, pattern recognition once i see the vision then i'll move forward but i kind of hold back until i get it you are so good at making decisions quickly failing quickly figuring out what doesn't work and then doing it and i'm like man if we could put that mm. in a in in a drink yes <laughs> and give mm. that to people you know so you know, I've done all these things and, you know, you're complimenting me, but I've watched you at the same time. And I've learned so much from Sean, like, oh, I, I could have done, I should have moved quicker on this and it would have been okay. Like, uh, and man, when you say stare it down, we came up with that together. And what is behind that is fear, right? Like we don't act, we don't move because of fear, but you've somehow managed to 
be able to brush the fear away and just move quickly. And that is a skill. That's a muscle, right? That can be learned. Muscle, and yeah. we've discussed that. And, and, and that's something we hope to teach going forward. You know, anybody and, can do it. I, yeah. I, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm man, full transparency. I'm uh, anxious. Like I'm in medical equipment sales now knocking on, um, director's doors, C-suite people having these big conversations about millions of dollars. And I am petrified half the time. Like I, um, um, get stuck in my own head. Mm. I have fears, anxieties, and and even though I'm content in my life, I'm very happy with my life. But then when it's time to to do some of these difficult things, I, I can freeze. Mm. And I've used what Sean has, like just being around him and our group and just being able to, okay, this is one of those moments. And in the past I've done X and this version of you ends up here. And this version of you and who does this ends up there. And so that's really helped me take even more action. And it's helped me even more in, in, in the things in my endeavors in life. So there was a tip that you shared with me behind the scenes before the podcast. You want to, so what helps you get over that hurdle when you're like, you know what, I'm sitting in the car, listening to music right now. It's not, it's, it's too easy just to sit here, go home, but instead I'm going to do, I'm going to go knock on the director's door. What is it that you that 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 helps you? What's one piece of or one tip that you could give somebody that's hey, fear, rejection, self-doubt, whatever it may be, to take action? Yeah. What's something that you do? For me, it is to write it down. And I know you are smiling ear to ear because you love to write things down. And and hey, listen to that. He loves to write it down. How many people, how many people listen to this do that? But here, here is kind of a tip technique, man. This is this is real gold. It, it, it is a mountain mover. And it won't sound like much. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm probably hyping it up too much in your mind, but you're probably going to roll your eyes and not do it. And I promise you the version of you that does will absolutely dominate the version of you that doesn't. And it is getting it outside of your head. You know, I've learned, I don't know if it's that ego thing or just a, you know, a society thing where you don't let out your troubles, your anxieties. So I, I now know if I'm swir something swirling around in my head, I've learned like if I get it out of my brain uh, into word and out to my wife, she's a soundboard for me, even with the way I do it with you, I just realized that, you know, if I, all these anxieties, these fears, mm. um, if I just get it out, it's now a tangible problem to be worked on. And you'll suddenly realize the fear is not that bad. And a really superpower for me is uh, just an example. Uh, if there was something difficult I needed to do, I hate being in fear. I hate not being able to take action because feeling scared, small, and not taking action is miserable. What, what kind of a life is that? And uh, maybe you can resonate with that. Maybe you can't. But I, I realized, okay, what do I need to do? And I would, I remember I grabbed a pen and paper once and I've used it a lot since then, but I would start writing down. I am afraid of doing this. Going to see this person, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Like they're going to reject me or they're not going to be able to understand what I'm going to say to them clearly. And I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to be embarrassed. And I'd say, is that true? You and I'd write all this down. I'm writing this down. It's not even going to be a paragraph. I'm like, no, it's not true. Has that ever happened before? Actually, it's never happened before. But the fear in my mind is telling me that it's real. And so I say, what's the worst that can happen? Writing that down, I'll literally write down. What's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen, they could reject me. Am I going to come back and see this person again? Yeah, you know you are, because that's the kind of person I am. And and. Normally, I, I would have put the pen down before I was finished, and I was already in that person's uh, in, in office or uh, vicinity and having that conversation, and it almost always works out. Mm. Like, maybe not exactly the way I want it to, but it moved the needle. That's right. I learned to feel yes. quickly doing that. So, yeah, writing your fears, anxieties down or getting them out to someone, and you don't need them to solve your problem. You just need to get it out of your head. I was telling Sean, my wife would just give me a hug. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm ready to rumble. Yep. You know, talk about vulnerability right yes. there. <laughs> yeah. But 
Yeah. Beautifully said. Definitely try that. If you're feared of anything right now, just grab a pen and paper, give it a shot. Just see what happens. Write down your fears. What's the worst that could happen? And play it out in your mind, right? And then go for it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Wrapping things up. Ewan, you have been a breath of fresh air, man. That's the first <laughs> word that came to my mind. Like, I love getting the chance to uh, be with the man. Like, you know, our wives say this all the time and our friends, our family, and even in our mastermind group, uh, reflecting back, like every time we get around each other, we like, we're like, oh, there's other people here. There's <laughs> yeah. five, six other people here. So yeah. I think, uh, again, being able to be on this podcast with you has been a true honor. You've served hundreds and thousands of people, even if it's just one person, uh, and they, they take away and they make an impact from what you said today as far as uh, your story. So thank you so much for your time, energy, and effort on sharing everything. I got a question for you. Yeah. You ready? Hit me. Okay. What does level up and live mean to you? Yeah, man, uh, I, I kind of hinted to it earlier, but uh, leveling up is there's a version of me that doesn't do the thing that would be really good for me, probably a difficult thing. And there's a version of me that does. And I constantly, it really helps me make decisions. Do I want the version of this guy that's eating the candy, not exercising, letting his brain um, slowly decay and not achieving, not that achieving is important, but just because I know like leading to contentment and enjoying the things that I do. Versus the version that does a difficult thing, short-term pain, long-term pleasure versus the short-term pleasure, long-term pain. There, there, you can't argue, there, no one could argue with me that, that there's not a single thing you could apply that to that you could um, reverse that formula, right? Short-term pain is going to be longer-term pleasure and that might be contentment piece. So I look at the version of myself um, that needs to level up and what he's capable of and I think about that every day, like the guy that stays in the warm, cozy bed or the guy that gets out and goes running at five in the morning. And man, I always am going to pick the 5 a.m. morning guy because he's going to crush the guy that stays in bed and uh, is uh, coming from a place of weakness. Nothing wrong with staying in bed, P.S., but just if I'm staying in bed because I'm not able to make a decision that's good for me, that's not healthy, right? And so that's what leveling up and living is, doing things that are just out of your comfort zone, just above your level, get up to that level, and then you start living and you just keep doing that over and over. And that's a good life. Beautifully said. And there you have it, folks. You and Hanemeyer. Thanks for your time, energy, and effort, man. Thank you, brother. Have a fantastic day. You too. And there you have it. Another exciting episode of Level Up and Live. I hope you enjoyed this unique twist as much as I did. A massive thank you to our co-host, you and Hanemeyer, for opening up and sharing his journey with us. If you found value in today's conversation, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share this episode with one friend who needs to hear this. Remember, the journey to success is an adventure. And here at Level Up and Live, we're committed to bringing you the stories and insights that will fuel your life You stop existing and start living. Stay tuned for more epic conversations. And until next time, keep leveling up, keep living, and always strive for greatness. This is Sean Myers signing off. See you on the next episode.